0: Well, again, we're in week number three of this series called The Expectation Gap. And let me take a moment and just catch you up if you haven't been with us in the first two weeks. Uh, We're talking in this series about the gap between what we expect in life and what we actually experience in life. And unfortunately for many of us, our experiences don't always align with our expectations. And so we're left with a gap. In week number one, we talked about what to do with that gap. See, I'm afraid that a lot of people feel a, an urgency in life to close the gap, to get rid of the gap, to fix the gap. But rather than trying to fix the gap, we need to understand that there's always going to be gaps between our expectations and our experiences or our realities. And so uh, we talked about the importance of filling that gap with Jesus. With the person of Jesus, we believe that in the midst of any disappointments and uh, unexpected outcomes in life, that Jesus can take who we are um, and, and everything that falls short of what we expect in life, and he can use it for his glory and for our good. And so we talked about the importance of being gap fillers rather than gap fixers in week number one. Now, last week, we talked about what to do with people in your life when they don't meet your expectations, when people you love, when friends, when family members, when spouses, when coworkers, when bosses, when friends don't meet your expectations and they leave a gap many times in your relationship. What do you do? How do you treat them? And we went to Genesis chapter 29 and I introduce you to a pretty dysfunctional family in some ways. And uh, unfortunately, because of uh, some technical difficulties, last week's message didn't get recorded. But here's what I want to ask you to do. If you weren't with us last week, make sure you read Genesis chapter 29 so that you can kind of catch up. Uh, On some history before where we're going to proceed today Uh, But we talked about a man named Jacob and Jacob was a man who had a brother named Esau Who was actually his twin and and Jacob actually stole some things from his brother And because of that he was fearful and he ran to a place that his mother told him to go It was to a city where his uncle lived where he had family and not only was he fleeing for protection But he was also setting out to find a wife Among the people that lived there And so he came He came to the town The village of a man named Laban Who was his uncle, his mother's brother And he laid eyes on the most Beautiful woman he had ever seen Her name was Rachel And she tended flocks She was actually a shepherdess And he met her at a well Where the shepherds would gather To water their sheep And when he laid eyes on her uh, He was just beside himself And he found out that this was the daughter of the man that he was going to meet. And so he made a deal with Laban, his mother's brother, that he would work seven years for Rachel to become his spouse. Different culture, different times, it may be confusing. I understand that. But he had an agreement with his uncle that he would work for him seven years in exchange for his youngest daughter, Rachel, who was absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. And so seven years flew by in the life of Jacob because he was so in love with Rachel. And at the end of the seven years, he went to Laban and he said, He said, my work is complete. I've held up my end of the bargain. It's time for me now to claim my wife. And it's time for you to give your daughter to me in marriage. And so a big wedding was planned and family members and friends gathered to celebrate the union of Jacob with his new bride. And the festivities got a little out of hand. Apparently, I don't know, maybe there was lots of drinking. Something happened because when Jacob woke up the next morning, he rolled over to see the woman that he had just married wasn't in fact Rachel, whom he worked for, and whom he admired, and whom he thought was the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth, but rather he was staring at her older sister Leah, which the Bible says she had weak eyes. In other words, she wasn't the most attractive woman. Laban had deceived him, Laban had exchanged his older daughter for his younger daughter. And when Jacob confronted Laban about the mix-up, Laban explained, well, I can't give my youngest daughter in marriage before I give my oldest daughter. See, they had different expectations. And last week we talked about the importance of making sure our expectations align. But Jacob was so in love with Rachel that he agreed to work another seven years so that when he completed what was called the marital duties, the week of the wedding festivities, when he completed that with Leah, he in turn would also get Rachel, and then he would stay and work another seven years in exchange for her. So seven, 14 years. He works for this woman that he loved, but he's now got two wives. Crazy story, I know. We called last week, Expectations Gone Wild. Now, today we're going to build on that. We're going to see what happens next in the story as we progress in the life of Jacob with now his two wives that he is married to. One he loves most, that's Rachel, and Leah is just kind of the one that he felt stuck with. Now, today we're going to talk beyond how to deal with others in our lives who don't meet our expectations. And we're actually going to talk today about what to do or how to react when you're the one that doesn't meet the expectations of others in your life. Anyone anyone ever been in that boat with me where you fell short of someone else's expectations? Where you're actually the one that created a gap and maybe it's not a fair expectation that you needed to live up to or to meet. But regardless, you were the one that fell short of expectations of others. And there was a gap created between expectations and experiences. And today we're going to talk about How to live with that gap and fill that gap with Jesus when you're the one that creates the gap. Here's here's something that I want to make sure that we give attention to today. In this story, Jacob gets a lot of sympathy. Right? Jacob is the one that worked seven years for beautiful Rachel. He was deceived. And we overlook the fact that Jacob's name means deceiver. And he was the one who actually deceived his brother. That's why he fled to begin with. When we get to the story, we just kind of throw that out the window. And we say, this is not fair. Jacob was done wrong. He should not have been treated that way. And so we give him lots of sympathy. And then, and then our heart goes out to Rachel. I mean, Rachel is the one that Jacob pursued For seven years she expected to be married to him and now she is kind of playing second fiddle to Leah who her father actually gave before her to marry the man of her dreams when she thought that she would be the one. And so we kind of give sympathy to Rachel, we give sympathy to Jacob, but Leah oftentimes gets left out of our world of sympathy and of of the spotlight uh, of the characters in this story who deserve the most credit. She was married to a man that didn't want to be married to her, and it wasn't her choice to be married to him. Her father essentially gave her in marriage, forced her to marry a man that she didn't expect to marry. She was dealt conditions and circumstances that she didn't choose, that she had to live with, and she now has a husband who doesn't admire her the way he admires her little sister who is also married to her husband. And the Bible makes it clear that Jacob looked at Rachel differently than Leah and so Leah had to live with the reality of having a husband who thought her younger sister was more beautiful, who got more attention, who I'm sure took the fun trips and got to experience the grand things in life while she was stuck at the home probably doing chores that he didn't think were so important. And she has this reality that She never expected. But we sense at the end of Genesis chapter 29 that she has a longing to be for Jacob what he really wants. That she has a longing in her heart to be accepted, to be loved, to be embraced as his first wife, as someone of importance in his life. And and we're going to see. At the end of Genesis chapter 29, what unfolds, starting in verse number 31, it says, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved. Can you imagine being forced to marry a man that doesn't love you? And the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. In other words, the Lord blessed her with fruitfulness. She was able to have child, but Rachel was barren. It's kind of an ironic twist Having children in this day was extremely important, and especially having a son, a boy, was extremely important in this culture. And the very woman that Jacob loved and admired the most was unable to have kids. But the wife that he got stuck with, that he didn't agree to marry, that he was deceived into marrying, God blessed her and made her fruitful and allowed her to bear children. Isn't it ironic in life how those of us who may not feel like we meet expectations of people in our life are sometimes blessed in ways that they don't see? That sometimes we feel as though we don't meet expectations, but the reality is is that we have the potential to bring fulfillment in relationships when the people in life that we long for acceptance from most don't even see what we have to offer Verse 32: So Leah became pregnant and she gave birth to a son. This should be an incredible experience. A father embracing his first son. His wife is giving him a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Can you just feel the frustration in her heart? The Lord finally, he saw my misery that I wasn't loved, and I now had a son. Surely my husband will love me now. You ever had a relationship where you felt like you had to do something to earn love, to earn acceptance, to earn someone's attention? If you're like me, you've probably experienced times in your life where you just wished you could be good enough or do something right enough so that someone that you long for affection from would give you the attention the love the acceptance the affirmation that you need in life so she named her son reuben god you've seen my misery and surely now jacob will will love me i've given him a son and rachel can't give him a son but it doesn't happen Verse 33, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Still in grief, I've given you two sons, and still you don't love me. I'll name him Simeon because the Lord sees my grief. This woman who is bearing children for a man It's finding a man that doesn't accept her still, though the wife he loves truly can't do for him what Leah has done for him. Again, verse 34, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will come attached to me, because I have borne him three sons, and he was named Levi. Levi, you represent that moment in my life when finally... Your father is going to embrace me. I've given him three sons, and surely that's enough for him to love me. Surely that's enough to meet his expectations. Surely that's enough to grab his attention and his affections. Surely at this point I will become the wife that I've always wanted to be, but still she doesn't meet the expectations that he has in a wife. Her little sister does. And though she's had three children, three sons for this man, she still finds herself vying for his acceptance. You know, I hear stories from time to time of, of people who long for attention, who long for affection, of children who grow up in broken homes and children who grow up in dysfunctional homes. And they long, they're starving for attention. And and many times they act out, they do things to try to capture the attention of others. And this is Leah's heart. Though she's not necessarily childlike in her approach, she's saying, I am doing for you what no one else has done for you. Surely you will give me what I need. We all need that love. We all need that attention. We all need that affection. Many times we don't find it from our bosses, from our friends, from our spouse, from our children, from our parents, from our teachers, from our coaches. And we live life in such a way to try our best to do what's necessary to gain the attention that we want most because we want to become what someone in our life expects. We want to fill that gap with deeds and actions and circumstances that will convince someone that we're good enough, that we're worthy, that we have what it takes to meet their expectations. And it's a lifestyle of bondage. It's a lifestyle of fighting and scrapping and scraping and doing everything you can to find approval in someone's eyes when it's not possible because you're looking at someone else's issue and not your own. Unfortunately, Leah was married to a man that loved his sister. And she could do everything she wanted to, but he was in love. He had an issue that created in her mind an unmet expectation that she couldn't offer. And she wanted to be something that he was looking for in someone else. Do you see the twist in this? And the reality for many of us is we want to find affection, acceptance from someone in life who isn't even looking for it in us. And it doesn't matter how hard you fight, it doesn't matter how hard you try and how hard you work, if someone's not looking for expectations in you, then you aren't guaranteed to meet their expectations. And it's this cycle of bondage, it's this cycle of brokenness that allows the gap between experiences and expectations to hold us as slaves. A mother who should love her three sons, who was blessed with three sons, doesn't feel freedom enough to enjoy her sons. She simply longs for more because she thinks that that's what's necessary to become who she desires affection from, what they desire. It's a trap, and it's unfortunate. Many of us live in the midst of circumstances where we desire attention from someone who just simply may never give it to us. That we long for an embrace and I would love to give you a formula to to kind of mend that condition in your heart. I would love to tell you a couple of easy steps that you could go through to capture their expectations and, and point them from someone else towards you. But the truth is, We can't always fix the gap. The gap can't always be fixed. And we can't always be for someone what they truly want because they have their own issues. Jacob's issues created in Leah a longing for issues that she could never, for expectations that she could never meet. And so something changes on child number four. And I want to encourage you This morning, to embrace a reality that Leah finally understands and accepts in life that will bring you freedom from the cycle, from the bondage that could be holding you captive even now. Verse number 35 She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And then she stopped having children. I've longed for his attention. I've longed for his love. I've longed for his affection. I've been held prison by expectations that he doesn't even have. But this time, it's different. This time, I'm changing my mindset. This time, I'm heading in a different direction. And this time, I'm seeing this child for what it is it's a blessing from the Lord. And I will choose, in the midst of my inability to meet someone else's expectations, I will choose to praise the Lord. And I will allow myself to be content in that embrace. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference in in doing something and experiencing something and longing for someone's affection And finally saying, you know what? It's not about that. It's about God's blessings on my life. And I'm going to accept that he has blessed me, that he has positioned me in this place. And I'm just going to praise him. And I'm allowing my eyes to be focused on him. I wish we could say that it's easy to stay in that place. But even when you're in that place, there's still the gap between you and your husband. If we fast forward to Genesis chapter number 30, starting in verse number 14, the the story continues, during the wheat harvest, Reuben, her oldest, Leah's oldest, went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants. And when he brought them to his mother, Leah, Rachel, her younger sister, said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Her oldest son has gone out into the fields. He's brought mandrakes back to the home. And Rachel now wants to benefit from her son's work. But she said to her, wasn't enough that you took my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? Can you just feel the frustration? How dare you? How dare you? You take, you take my husband And now my son, by the way, I've got four sons that you're unable to have at this point. My son has gone out and worked in the fields. And now not only do you take my husband, but you want to take the fruit of his labor? How dare you ask for that? Very well, Rachel said. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. (laughs) You see the audacity in this woman. He loves me. I'll be with him all I want, but I'll tell you what, if you give me some mandrakes, I'll tell him to sleep with you tonight. Are you serious? Are you serious? Of course, Leah said, Whatever. Not a chance. I'm going to give you the satisfaction of enjoying the mandrakes that my son, whom I bore to our husband, has brought into this house. That's what she said, right? I'm content and who I am with God. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must sleep with me, she said. I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. You See the tragedy in this? You see a tragedy in a woman that's convincing her husband to sleep with her because She hired them with something that, come on. She is starving for acceptance. She's starving for the love. She's now drifting from that embrace, from that, I'll be satisfied with praising God in this midst. To to Back to, I just long for his affection. God listened to Leah and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. And then Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my maidservant to my husband. And so she named him Issachar. And Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. And this time my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. And she named him Zebulun. Surely, after six sons... But still, Rachel was his favorite. Still, she didn't meet the expectations of her husband. After all she had given him, after all she had done for him, she simply was unable to meet his expectations. And I just want to remind you this morning that if you deal with being the unmet expectation in life, that it's not always your fault. Sure, there are are those of us who have made mistakes and we have crossed lines and we have deceived and we've betrayed and we've done the wrong thing and in those moments we need to humble ourselves and we need to apologize because we caused the unmet expectation but the reality for many of us is that there are just people in our lives who will never be satisfied with what we have to offer. And we can fight, and we can scrap, and we can try the best that we can to do what we think they want most. But we have to learn to fill the gaps in our life with Jesus and not keep running on a treadmill towards nowhere. I remember when I was a senior in high school, and... One of the most vivid memories I have is coming home from school one day to find my dad's truck in the driveway. And my dad worked a job that got home after I was home from school, and so this was unordinary. It was not the normal experience for me. As I walked inside, my dad was sitting on the couch and he simply said, Son, sit down, we need to talk. And I knew something is wrong. And I had made some choices in life that had hurt my dad, had not met expectations that he had made clear to me. I had done some things that had gotten back to him that had caused him hurt and pain. He was disappointed in me. He had taught me better than that. He had trained me not to do those things, yet I did them anyway. And I sat for seemingly days listening to my dad tell me the hurt and the pain that I had caused. And I had to carry that. And it changed me in some ways. It caused me to understand that sometimes I have to think past myself to think how my actions affect others. And it taught me in that moment that my name Crawford Represents other people in a family that I have the opportunity and the honor to help represent in this life. But you know, I've got friends who didn't really even do anything wrong and they had conversations with their parents about how they weren't good enough. About how they should just be like someone else. I wish you were just like your older brother. I wish you were just like your friend. I wish that you could be better. You're so dysfunctional. You're such a loser. People hear these words from people they love most, and I can't say that I can identify with them because I had the incredible parents that God blessed me with. I know what it's like to cause the gap, but I don't necessarily know what it's like to fight for the attention, for the love of someone who simply isn't willing to give it to you. And so my heart goes out to Leah. My heart goes out to some of my friends whose parents never came to ball games, who asked if they could ride home with me and my parents because they longed for attention of someone in their life that would accept them, that would love them, that would embrace them. They just couldn't find it, no matter how hard they tried and how many points they scored and how well they did on the test. It just wasn't there. And then I became a pastor, and I realized that the reality in life is that we will never meet the expectations of everyone in our lives. I've had... Countless conversations with people who have expressed disappointment in me because I didn't meet an expectation of theirs. And I've got pastor friends who've shared with me the exact same experiences. No matter how hard I try, no matter how great I thought I was doing and accomplished something, there was always someone that let me know that it wasn't good enough. And I read just this morning, in fact, an article where a 69-year-old pastor committed suicide. He had pastored long and hard. He dealt with depression. And his son in this article described his father dealing with this ongoing depression that likely was caused from the unmet expectations that he bore the weight of. I'm not immune to it. You're not immune to it. You've got the, the boss that just has a favorite for whatever reason. You've got the coach that just has a favorite for whatever reason. You've got the, the parents who just seem to have a favorite for whatever reason. And you never feel like you can meet that expectation. And like Leah discovered, though she lost her way afterwards, we have to learn to stop searching for acceptance from others in our life and accept that God has us where we are and learn to praise Him in the midst of the disappointments. I love Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Galatia and he makes this statement. It's a question that I want you to ask yourself today. It's a question that I've been asking myself this week. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. Understand this from one of the greatest Christian leaders ever to walk this earth. You can't be a true servant of God if you're simply seeking the acceptance of man. They don't go together. And you need to learn to be free from the unmet expectations that you feel the weight of causing. Because who you are is who God designed you to be. And he's not like a father that will turn his back on you when you're not good enough. When you don't perform right and when you don't do the right things. And he's not like the father who will... Turn his back on you and shun you because of the mistakes that you make. He loves you for who you are. (laughs) Dirtiness and all. Shame, guilt, everything that you carry in life. He loves you. And he's the one that we should seek the approval of. And you say, well, why should I seek the approval of Christ and not man? I simply want to submit to you because Jesus knew what it was like not to meet the expectations of people in his life. How tragic is it that God loved the world enough to send his only son, Jesus, to the earth, to die ultimately, to pay the price for sins that he never committed. He lived a perfect life, and he died an incredibly difficult death on a cross, tortured by Romans. And there were people in his life that couldn't see what he had to offer that he wasn't good enough. Scripture tells us time and time again that the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, criticized him openly and publicly for being the Son of God, for claiming to be the Son of God, for the actions that he did on behalf of God the Father. He had a last meal with his disciples during the feast of Passover, and at this meal he identified there is a betrayer amongst us. And a man named Judas basically said, well, well, you're not talking about me, are you? And Jesus had to live with the reality that just hours later, Judas would lead Roman guards and centurion to him and betray Jesus by identifying him with a kiss that he was the one that the Romans should arrest. And he did it for 30 pieces of silver. The Son of God wasn't worth, in someone's eyes, 30 pieces of silver that they would betray him in the name of money. And at that same meal, he expressed that there was someone who would deny him three times, in fact, before the rooster crowed the next morning. And a man named Peter, a loud mouth, speak before you think, man said, I will die for you, Jesus. Jesus. And he said that in a room when he was just with Jesus and the disciples and everything seemed perfect. And he expected that Jesus would be a natural king and a natural ruler in the world. But when the rubber met the road and Jesus was arrested and Peter understood that any association of Jesus would require difficulty for him, what did he do? I don't know Jesus. I don't know that man even with curse words saying, I've told you I don't know Jesus. The Son of God wasn't worth someone's reputation. Who claimed to be one of his closest followers in life? Are you kidding me? And Jesus was openly beaten and openly mocked. Listen to what Matthew chapter 27 Verses 27 to 31 says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. Do you see the mockery? Oh, you claim to be the king of the Jews. Here, here's a robe after we beat you. Here's a crown, a crown of thorns that they pressed into his skull and sat on his head, and they put a staff in his right hand, and they knelt down in front of him and mocked him. Hell, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him, to kill him. Are you kidding me? I've come in the name of love. I've come because my Father sent me for your behalf, for your sake. Because you're lost in your sin. You're lost in your ways. And I've come to redeem you. I've come to make a way for you. And you mocked me for claiming to be a king. You spit on me. You beat me. You stripped me of my clothes. And you lead me to a hill where you will ultimately murder me for doing nothing wrong. See, I believe that when scripture says that Jesus was the word and the word became flesh, that when Jesus came to the earth, he was fully God and he was fully man. I believe that there was some longing in his heart on some level that said, why won't they just accept me? Why won't they just believe in who I am? Why do they treat me this way? How can I be for them what I come to be for them when they don't even see what they need? And he went to the cross, and his his hands and his feet were nailed to a cross. And he dealt with the reality that there were people in this life that just didn't accept him. And then Luke chapter number 23 blows my mind. Verse 32, there were two other men, both criminals, both deserving of death, both getting the punishment that their deeds deserved, were also let out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right one on his left, one which, by the way, in another account in the Gospels, mocked him, made fun of him. If you claim to be Jesus, why don't you just get us down off this cross? And the other one saw him for who he really was and accepted him. He's between these two criminals And listen to what Jesus says, verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They don't understand what accepting me will do for them. I can't be for them what they are rejecting, and it hurts. But would you please forgive them? Because what I'm going through now isn't in an attempt to gain their approval. Father, it's an attempt to gain your approval and do what you've called me to do. And while I offer to them grace and mercy, if they choose to reject it, I can do nothing about it. And in the same way, those people in your life who you fight for their acceptance, for their love, for their affirmation, for their encouragement. There are just some things in life that you have to learn to accept, that you can't be everything that someone needs in life. But you can do what's most important for yourself, and that's obey Jesus, that's trust in Jesus, and that's be everything that he's called you to to be now the difference between Leah and Jesus was a freedom while Leah was held captive by a desire to meet expectations Jesus was so confident in his calling that even when he didn't gain acceptance even when he was fully rejected to the point of death he said father forgive him They don't know what they're doing. Do you see that freedom? Do you see how meeting expectations of someone that you'll never meet with you is a dead-end road? It's a prison that you're putting yourself into, but there's freedom in Jesus, and he offers for us all the acceptance that we'll ever need in life. He offers us love, unconditional, that we can't we can't, we can't mess up enough to lose his love. Nothing can separate us, Paul says in Rome, from the love of God. And I simply wanted to tell you today, if you're here and you deal with being the one who doesn't meet the expectations of someone else, that there's freedom for you. And I hope today that you'll stand in that freedom, that you'll leave here embracing that freedom that you can't be everything for everyone, but you can be who Jesus has called you to be. And if you'll learn to accept the love that he offers, it will free you from pursuing a love that you may never attain. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this story that reminds us that Like Leah, many of us fight for attention, we fight for love. We think that doing things will gain acceptance in the eyes of people that we long for acceptance from, but you offer us a love that works can't even gain. Your word tells us that it is by faith that we're saved It is by grace that we're saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's not by works so that none of us can boast. There's nothing that we can do to earn your love. Your love is offered freely and may we today stand in that freedom and in that love that we may be freed from trying to meet expectations of people in our life that we may never meet. I pray in this moment for every man, for every woman, for every student who is carrying the burden of being an unmet expectation. Would you in this moment free them from that prison and allow them to experience the love of a heavenly father that's matchless in this world. We thank you for that freedom and that relationship. In Jesus' name, I pray.